yeah, I lived in Australia since I was seven and I consider myself Australian and British. Um, and then, yeah, you're right. I, I spent a year in the US, spent a year in France, and now I live in Girona, Spain. Spanish girlfriend, American team, two passports. <laughs> Well, you may not know his voice quite yet, but our guest today is the Swiss army knife of cycling and running. With talents in the world of esports, road, gravel, and like I said, he also runs marathons all at the same time as riding for Legion of LA. So sit back, relax, and enjoy our conversation with Freddie Ovette from Legion of LA. Okay, well, today we got a special treat. Um, one of the most interesting riders because he has so many different talents, both on and off the bike. Freddie Ovette, welcome to Bobby and Jens. Thank you so much. What a what an honor. I'm an avid fan of you guys. I've, I think I've definitely listened to every one of your podcasts. So, uh, yeah, I'll probably even listen to myself uh, in the next few days. That's how much I love you guys. All right. Well, you know, um, we've said this before, and, you know, since you've listened to so many of the podcasts, be prepared to win some big races because people that come on our podcast that are still racing tend to win. You know, we had Tom Pickock on before he kind of did his whole thing. We had Magnus Sheffield on, who recently won a big race. We, Lisa Balsamo, but I mean, she was world champion anyway. But We had Lissy uh, Danyang winning Paris-Roubaix like yeah. five days after she was on the podcast. I mean, these, yep. these are pretty yep. qualified people already, though. Let's be honest. Like, they've already won quite a lot of stuff, but uh, I'll take it. I'll, I'll take some of that uh, uh, that feeling going into my next races for sure. Yeah, we're throwing out the good mojo. Yeah, I love it. I that's, love it. That's that. Sometimes that's all it takes. Hey, that's all that matters for mojo. sure. Definitely, I'm all yeah. for it. Well, you know, you're not the most well-known rider in the U.S. Um, I've known you for for quite a while. You you jumped on our radar um, on on multiple teams over the years. Um, give us a little story about your upbringing. I mean, I know that your father was a, a famous runner, uh, but you decided to pursue a course in cycling rather than running. And we'll get to how badass of a runner you are. Um, but yeah, it seemed like you had some options, but tell us a little bit about how it all started. Yeah. So I feel like this story is, is starting to get told a bit more of, of people crossing over from, from other sports and, and having some success. Um, Basically, I was, I was a runner my entire life since I was eight years old. And like you said, my dad, big history in the sport of running and obviously passed down some genetics. So I had quite early on, it was obvious to me that I'm like, okay, I'm quite good at this. I really enjoy it. I love racing. I love winning. Uh, I want to be a runner. It's all I cared about um, since I was eight. And I sort of followed that journey all the way until I was 19, 20 years old, where I wound up at the University of Oregon on scholarship. Um, and as far as I could see for the next sort of four or five years of my life, that, that that's what I was doing. I was running and studying at Oregon. I was going to have a great career. I was going to get a pro contract after it and everything was going to be just how I planned. But 
as we know, uh, things don't work out quite, <laughs> quite as we plan usually. And uh, I picked up an injury, an injury that all the resources and money in the world with Nike and Oregon couldn't, couldn't figure out and frustrated me to no end. And I started uh, cycling as, as a bit of rehab with no intention of at all to be a cyclist, just, just to, uh, as someone who loves to train, I, I needed something to do every day. So I started riding indoors and progressed to riding outdoors and progressed to riding with groups and progressed to being the best rider in those groups. And before I knew it, I was racing the Australian under 23 championships as my first ever race, kind of, I'd say about six weeks into cycling and I finished in the front group there. I don't know how, it somehow managed to put, put it together and, uh, Aiden Cook was standing on the side of the road there and he sent me a Twitter message that later that week saying look like hey Freddie uh, I know you're running seriously but I really think uh, you should consider being a cyclist and I think I can help you become a, a good one I didn't really respond at first and he came back to me again a week later saying hey Freddie I've spoken with Azure Duzer the development team there and I think I can get you a place this year to go to France and within a space of a day, I basically decided that I wasn't going to be a runner anymore and I was going to be a cyclist. And I packed my bags and, and went to a France, uh, sort of three months into being a cyclist. And, and the journey began there. And uh, it was a, a very intense year and learning, uh, trying to learn a language, trying to uh, figure out bike racing, figure out myself as a person. And actually, funnily enough, my, my housemate uh, was Benoit Cosnefoy, um, who's obviously cool. who's obviously having some crazy success at the moment. And um, and yeah, one thing led to another. I've, I've, I've definitely bounced around a few teams trying to sort of figure out who I am as a cyclist and what I can offer. And, and eventually I've, I've led to be on Legion where I can be in a position where I can kind of really take the reins of what I want to do with my career, whether that's gravel racing, whether that's road racing, crits, they've, they've helped uh, my journey in some running events, which has been really cool. Um, and I've, I've just discovered that this life of more so outside of world tour, which I thought was, was for me, um, that I can relax and chase after goals that I want to do well in, not, not, that teams want me to do well in, for example, and, and Legion are just all for that. And last year was great and doing it all again this year and uh, couldn't be happier. So um, I'm just curious about how your life jumped from continent to continent. I mean, you obviously yeah. born in Dump Dumfries, Dumfries yeah, in Scotland. Right, yeah. <laughs> so you're a Scotland-born runner. Then you run at Oregon uh, University, which is on the continent America. And then three months later, you ride in the Australian National Championships under 23, which is another continent. So give me a chance, yeah, like, like fill me I, in. W where are the gaps I jump, I'm just missing here? I, I, I get confused myself because I've, I've bounced around a lot. So when I was born in Scotland, uh, UK, so I have a British passport, my uh, family's English. And when we were seven years old, uh, my family packed up shop and, and moved to Australia. They, uh, my parents were like, we spent some time in Australia when dad was running. They loved it. And we've got a big family. There's four kids. And their idea was like, 
Australia is just such a great place for, for the kids to grow up in. It's such an outdoorsy culture and Scotland it can, can be quite grim. And they made that move. And yeah, I lived in Australia since I was seven and I consider myself Australian and British. Um, and then, yeah, you're right. I, I spent a year in the US, spent a year in France, and now I live in Girona, Spain. Spanish girlfriend, American team, two passports. <laughs> I actually just got a US cycling license today, even though I'm racing under Australian banner. So yeah, I'm a complicated person. It takes, some, it takes a while to, to describe me and where I've been. You gotta be the James Bond of cycling <laughs> and international man of mystery. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm very used to, uh, I'm a frequent flyer, let's put it that way. I've racked them some miles for sure over my time. You're, you're only 28 years old. And let me tell you, uh, that international uh, travel gets a little bit more difficult the older that you get, that's for sure. But but since you, si since you mentioned it, um, you ride for Legion of Los Angeles. We've had both Justin Williams and Skylar Schneider on during the old put your socks on days. And last November, like right after you ran your LA marathon, we had Corey on and he spoke great about you and the, the bond that you guys had. Um, but you've kind of, you know, we, we talked to Justin and Skylar right when things were starting and then Corey kind of at the end of last year. Um, and obviously you rode for them last year, but tell us a little bit about the vision, um, you know, being involved with that team since the early days and, and your experience with the team, because man, it looks like a really special project that's hitting on all cylinders at the moment. Mm, it, it really is. And, and I think what makes Legion special is There, uh, there's a bunch of us that all come from different walks of life and different experiences in, in cycling. And, and a lot of those experiences have, have been bad, to be honest, for a lot of us. Uh, not, we haven't, wouldn't say we've been burnt by cycling in one way or another, but we've, we've had difficulties in fitting into teams and fitting into places we might, uh, for some reason or another, not feel like we belong. Um, Skylar's an example of that. Uh, I'm an example of that in, in a few ways. Ty Magna's an example of that. Uh, plenty of people, Corey as well, Justin. And what makes it special is we've found a home in Legion where we can all share those experiences and, and use them to make the team a much better place. Um, you know, as we all know, cycling's a sport bound by like significant tradition. There's, there's still so many things in cycling that just don't make sense with so many wife, wife tales and you must do this, you mustn't do that. And the people that think more than they should, uh, myself, the biggest example of that, just never really understood that. Why, why should we do that? You know, why, why should I not eat carbohydrates before a race? Or why, why should I not eat uh, the inside of, a, of bread and, uh, or the outside of bread and not the inside? You know, all these strange things, you know? Why should we not sleep with the air conditioning on? Um, anyways, the, the, what Justin and Corey believe and, and they're trying to slowly get out uh, to, to the cycling world is that you don't have to follow the norm in, 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 in life. Uh, in, and, and they're doing that through cycling and they're doing that on their own terms. And, and for, that, for them, that is criterion racing. That, that's what they're good at. That's what's what they love. Uh, that's what they're passionate about. And that's what they do so well at. And, and 
by them doing criteriums at a high level uh, and making a career out of it and they're showing the world that hey you don't have to be this stereotypical cyclist that there's only one way to be successful and every rider on their team has, has taken their own initiative in, in doing that um, in, in their own little ways with whatever they're passionate about and and the team supports that to the fullest if it makes sense of course um, and for me that's through a variety of avenues that's through racing online with esports that's through running that's through road racing i love jumping in crits i basically just love competing and the team loves that i love competing and supports me in any way possible um i do consider myself extremely lucky because i would say legion is more or less the only team in the world that is like that um which is a shame and it, which is something that i hope changes and, and other people can can start doing things they love and and being paid for it uh i think gravel privateers are on that track at the moment and that's something that that's getting bigger and bigger but there's still definitely a long way to go in terms of cycling uh, branching out and supporting uh, riders who aren't in the world tour but still have something to offer um so yeah i stumbled across legion and i'm just honestly just trying to make the most of it with any ideas or uh, creativity I can come up with to share the message that just be you and, and, and just ride it all the way to the end and there's a lot of people stoked on it and, and that's, that's why this thing's just rolling and uh, long may it continue. So when you um, talked about uh, you're running a little bit already, um, cycling with Legion, there's another part of cycling you actually apparently like to compete in. That's um, eSports. You uh, a silver medalist at um, the World eSports Championships on Swift. Uh, how was that? Uh, how did you prepare for that? Where was the location? Um, how did you feel? Did somebody check your uh, your technology did somebody check your bike or your settings how how did all all that work so zwift was kind of the connection point to legion and, it, and zwift actually i owe a lot to it it, it, it kind of re-sparked my my happiness in cycling my um, I, i started Zwift like most people did in, in lockdown when i was stuck in spain and couldn't leave the house for 10 weeks with my girlfriend and And I jumped on the platform and slowly but surely had some success and just realized what a fantastic way it was to compete and, and socialize at the same time and build a bit of a name for myself in, in esports. And um, yeah, and one thing led to another that uh, I, I could uh, join Legion and, and continue doing that along with my road racing. Um, with the World Championships, the, the verification uh, process is extensive it's almost it's very easy to not read the brief and, and do something wrong and and, and uh, land yourself in trouble because uh i think esports sometimes is questioned in terms of uh, legitimacy with riders weight and equipment but uh zwift have certainly made an extreme effort to at least make the world championships uh legit uh, because it As far as I'm concerned, there's, there's no way to, to cheat the system with a, a weight check two hours before that has to be live filmed, more or less. Um, and they send trainers out to the riders that we all have to ride on the same trainer. 
as soon as you finish the event, the top three guys have to pack up that trainer and send it to Zwift and then they perform analysis if if anyone's decided to open it up somehow and change the firmware. Um, so I, I've, I've really seen uh, Zwift come a long way in terms of uh, validating performances, which is crucial, I think, to uh, taking the platform to the next level because like anything, any, uh, when someone does really well at something, there's always question marks because it's impressive and some people just can't wrap their head around impressiveness sometimes. Um, so the World Championships was a big deal for me. I, I trained more or less the whole winter for it. Honestly, a bit disappointed to finish second. Like it, it's a good result, but it's it's kind of brutal as well. Uh, but I'll I'll be up for the next one and hopefully get those rainbow virtual stripes. Yeah, that was super cool the way they presented that this year and all the the hype that they built around it. And yeah, you guys, the Australian team um, did quite well to say the least. Uh, first and second and fourth. I That's think. right. Yeah, I mean, it was the first time yeah. I've seen a a team actually change the way a race unfolds. It's the first time I've seen people chase down a breakaway from one team. And it was quite a revolutionary, I think, to people watching that, wow, this is actually something that isn't just a free-for-all. It's, it's you know, a team can can ride together. And I think that was the coolest thing about the World Champs for me, definitely. For sure, for sure. Um, <clears throat> a few weeks ago, we had Jonathan Vodders come on uh, Bobby and Jens, and we didn't get the time to talk about it, but he was obviously and his team the first um, to embrace the the so-called alternative calendar. And you've seemed, and a few of your teammates have seemed to, to kind of follow that. Um, tell us how this started, where it is now, and where you see it going. I mean, we got the UCI as a calendar, man, you know, 14 races on totally different continents and, and stuff. Is that something that you're going to be looking at in the future or does it interest you at all? Uh, yeah, firstly, EF, they, they definitely changed the game. Uh, and, and Lockie Morton in particular, you know, just an absolute legend, that guy. I think what he's done for cycling is he's, I can't compare myself to him because he's, uh, just on another level, but I, I like to think that I'm kind of trying to do similar things to him and, and doing it on my own terms. And he, he was the pioneer uh, of doing that and the response that he got like for the uh, the Tour de France ride that he did last year was like insane. I, I think the numbers were bigger than, than the, the riders on EF were getting in terms of responses. And, and I think that just speaks volumes of that, like the general public is interested in in other things outside of uh, world tour racing. Um, in terms of the UCI calendar gravel stuff, I'm, I'm honestly not fully aware of how and what and when and those events are happening. I saw a calendar the other day and yeah, there's some obscure locations like the Philippines and God knows what. And I'm not sure how I would get to those races, but uh, if I'm in a location where there's one on or there's one close by, I would definitely want to do it because I'm a racer and uh, the, it's UCI. So I'm definitely more focused on the US scene at the moment because that is, as far as I'm concerned, the focal point of gravel racing. No one does gravel like 
the US and they're just killing it in terms of exposure uh, for my team, for myself, for my sponsors. So uh, that's what I'm taking seriously at the moment. And then uh, we'll see about the UCI stuff in the future. Now we are in April. Where do we see yourself racing in the next days, weeks or months? Um, I just actually, uh, before you answer, I just checked this uh, calendar. There's one 25th of June, Highlands Gravel Classic, Fiat Will US. Or another one, 4th of September, Gravelista in Beechworth, Australia. Would you ever look at one of them or are you focusing on road racing, on crits or more esports? What's up for you for the rest of the season? I, I, I would definitely love to, to do any of those. It, it just it has to fit in with uh, the plans that I've already laid out with the team. And uh, to go back to Australia and race a gravel race would just be so cool. Um, I went there uh, last month with my girlfriend. I, I wasn't able to go home for two and a half years to see my family. So that alone was was very special and if i could go home and, and race a race in front of them would, would just be very special to me so it's something that like i said i i don't know a lot about it and i need to do a bit more research and and perhaps speak with the australian federation about how they can help uh, support me get to those races and things like that um but in terms of the next couple of weeks i'm in boulder colorado at the moment i'm racing On Saturday, I just found out about this race a few days ago, uh, Boulder Roubaix, uh, which is like a gravel slash awesome. road race that I'm super stoked about. <laughs> wow. Yeah, Alex Howes is racing, a few other hitters. So uh, my my friend who I'm staying with, he's like, hey, I'm racing Saturday. I'm like, I'm in. I don't know what it is, but I'm in. <laughs> and it turns out it looks like a really fun race. So I'm doing that. And then uh, next week, I'm doing Tour of Redlands, which I'm sure Bobby knows about that race. A nice mountaintop finish, which I haven't done one of those for a while so I'm very excited about that um, and then uh, a week after that I'm doing Belgian Waffle Ride uh, San Diego um, to round out my first US trip so uh, yeah I just finished Sea Otter Classic uh, last week I was third in the road race we won the circuit race with Corey so um, yeah uh, uh, and then actually a few days before that we did Tour of Murrieta where Corey won both days as well and I was part of that so yeah uh, jam-packed full of racing just how i like it if you want to get more out of your free time sign up to outside plus for less than a dollar a week you can get six print and digital issues of peloton magazine exclusive membership content from valuenews.com access all the premium content from the whole outside family including yoga journal backpacker ski outside magazine and many others. And that's not all. There are discounts of the hottest gear and biggest events, access to Gaia, GPS, and trail forks, as well as virtual health and fitness courses. It's $350 of value in one $99 annual subscription. But if you head to valuenews.com forward slash outside plus and enter BJPOD25, all one word, lowercase at checkout you'll receive our special 25% discount and make a good deal great and now back to our chat with Freddy another question about the gravel scene is it is definitely going up a notch in terms of the support the technology I mean there's riders that are 
in the wind tunnel with their gravel bikes now. Um, does gravel racing, you know, with the UCI calendar and trying to get involved, does gravel racing risk becoming just road racing on, on the dirt? Or do you think it'll be able to kind of keep that really cool, hipster, fun participation over placing most, for, for most people? Or are we just looking at, you know, road racing on the dirt? Uh, I always like comparing uh, gravel racing to marathon races. And, and, and the reason for that is mass participation. And, and that is what separates gravel racing from road racing. Uh, road racing and, and also crits that it usually there's a pro field and that's that everyone watches the race from the sidelines and uh, there's this separation between pros and amateurs. Gravel racing isn't the same like marathon running. Uh, in Berlin Marathon, you can stand on the start line next to Elliot Kipchoge. He might run two hours faster than you, but you're still doing the same race. And, and that's why it's so special gravel racing and i believe as long as it's still mass participation and they don't separate that uh, in the future then it will always have that feel of something very different to road racing um the days before gravel races i i think are very important as well in terms of building communities sponsors getting out there and kind of like a sea otter exhibition um, style of events and that again separates uh gravel from road racing you know you don't go to paris bay the day before do you and there's not a specialized tent or a shram tent and test rides and group rides and that just doesn't happen you just go and watch it from uh you know the arenberg and then go home um so i i understand the concern of gravel getting bigger and and that it more professionalized and and it will because there's interest and when there's interest there's money and there's things get bigger and perhaps these UCI races are other other things that um, that we talk about in terms of making gravel more serious and different but I think the uh, the unbounds the steamboats the Belgian waffle rides will always be those special mass participation events that we all know and love um, and and I, I can't see that changing for any reason. So when you compared it with uh, running a marathon, let's talk about your LA marathon. I mean, you did a four hours, 48. 2.48. And um, yeah, 2.48, yes. And we had uh, Cor uh, Corey Williams here. He said you didn't have too much time to prepare <laughs> or to train for that. I, uh, so yeah. how did you feel the first hour afterwards or five hours afterwards? Oh, Could you even walk? No. And second, where do you think would be your limit if you take three months yeah. to train for a marathon? Where would be your limit? What do you think? So running uh, was something that I took obviously very serious when I was younger and, 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 and saw it really only as an avenue of competition and, and feeling good about myself. And I picked up running again at uh, the start of last year. I started doing a little bit in, in lockdown on the rooftop with my girlfriend. <laughs> and uh, I, I fell in love with it again. And I slowly started incorporating it into my uh, daily life. I would just do a very small run every morning. And, it, and I, I just felt so much better physically and mentally. It would just clear my mind. and. And that's still the reason why I run more than anything is just for mental clarity. Um, 
so in terms of LA Marathon, uh, we were at the Lion's Den Criterium at the end of last year, Criterium organized by Legion. And one of our sponsors was there and he's a big running guy. And we always uh, speak about running and he, I said to him, you know, what do you got coming up this week? And he said, oh, I'm going to New York, you know, New York Marathon is really important for us. And I said, oh yeah, New York, you know, I didn't know that was next week. I'll, I'll be in the US, you know, that's cool. You know, that'd be so cool to watch. And then I, for some reason, I thought, geez, that, that would be cool to run one day, you know? And then, for, and then my next thought was, I wonder if I could run it this year. And <laughs> I mentioned that to him and he just loved it. He was like, oh, this is, this is insane, but I can make this happen. And turns out getting into New York Marathon three or four days before the race is, is more or less impossible, no matter uh, what, who, what people you know and, I had the head of New York road, road runners trying to get me in and even that wasn't possible. So I was like, you know, well, all right, fair enough. You know, that would, that was probably a, a crazy idea anyways. He rings me up the next day, my sponsor friend, and he's like, what about LA marathon? You're in LA. It's, it's on Sunday and it's now Friday. And I was like, yes, like uh, I'm going to do it. Um, I know it's ridiculous cause I, I've done literally 20 minute runs sporadically throughout the year. Uh, but I just thought it was the end of the season. I just wanted to challenge myself in an insane way. And I just figured that, you know, if I have to walk at some point, that's fine. It's just, I get to run the LA, LA marathon, represent Legion uh, and see, see LA on foot on closed roads. Like, sure, I'm going to do it. There's a lot of people, including my dad, who was not happy about the idea at all um, and worried about what it could do to me and I, I promised them that if I felt that I was doing damage then I would uh, stop and uh, yeah I felt great I, I just settled into a nice rhythm really took care of uh, my hydration and uh, fuel intake which I've spoken to Bobby about uh, previously and had a great day got to got to sort of 25-30k and really slowed it down just to make sure I didn't uh, have any issues and yeah I ran 248 and it was just a fantastic experience, which I don't think many people can say about their first marathon. Um, but as you said, the consequences of not preparing, I felt the full brunt of the next day. <laughs> and I had to fly back to Spain the next day. And it, I wasn't, I'm by no means a business class uh, traveler. Um, so I, I, I actually felt uh, like paralyzed. I know that might be an extreme comment to make, but I literally had to lift my legs up with my hands and, and arms to, to get out of bed the next morning. Like I had hardly any control of my, of my legs. And I just, I just loved that. I thought that was just so cool that I could, could have, that I could do that to myself. And, and I'm a, I'm a bit of a weirdo when it comes to uh, pushing the limits, but, I just, I got home and had to carry my bike back up the stairs. It took me about 45 minutes, but I recovered and uh, I didn't have any consequences and, and I survived and, and I'm, or, I'm looking to do another one later this year and, and go, yeah, quite a lot faster and, and really see what, uh, what, cycling can tra what cycling training with a little bit of running training uh, can do in terms of uh, performance. And uh, I'm really excited about uh, the possibilities yeah man but 
a 248.55 for your first marathon, our Australian and British friends and fans would call that taking the piss um, because people will train for their whole life to do a marathon and not even get any close to that. So, man, big props for that. Another thing that I'm very curious about with with you, with Legion of LA, with with many, many other young riders out there, social media. It's a huge part of your generation. Uh, Jens and I didn't have to deal with that. Um, it's obviously here to stay. And even though I'm off, awful at it, I realize that it does play an important role. But how do you feel about social media, using it to build your brand and image? Uh, because it it has to come with a certain amount of pressure, right? Like, like I said, I'm terrible at it. And when I try, I'm like, who did I forget the tag? And does this look okay? And it's, it's like terrible. But then when I see what you and so many other young kids do, I mean, it's like a totally different level. It's like kindergarten compared to college graduate with the, the quality of stuff that you put out there. But yeah, how do you use it? And deal with, I guess, the positives and negatives surrounding it because it's got to take energy. It's got to take time. And is there is there a balance there? And tell us tell us your experience with social media so far. Uh, Bobby, it's, it's it's actually a great question and, and and something that I don't think is is spoken about a lot. Um, it, it's something that. Uh, sort of harps back to what I was saying about um, cycling teams and, and things that I didn't understand. That there's now expectations with teams that you're uh, required, no matter how good you are, uh, to be good at social media. And, and that usually comes with no training uh, from the teams or, or anything. That, that's on you. And, and you must learn how to do that uh, purely from your background and growing up in your culture and your friends and what your interests were. Um, being involved in Legion, we we everyone knows that content is a huge part of Legion and our success, and and that's really down to Corey. His uh, management of the social media account is exceptional. I've I've seen it daily, and how much work he puts into creating content that identifies with everyone, and that's not easy. That that's a skill. That's an art. And it's, it's almost like an, an artist's trait in how you can create your profile to personify your values and, and what you're about. And it's not easy. And uh, I remember when I was sort of with European teams, I would always cringe about, should I post this? You know, what's this person going to think about it? You know, and is it cool? Is it not? You know, and I, I would most of the times refrain from posting a lot of things that I thought were cool, but I was worried about if this person would think was cool. And when I joined Legion, I slowly learned to let go of that and just start posting however many times I wanted to with whatever I thought was cool. And Corey is big on that in our team and Justin, that whatever you are stoked about, post about it. And as long as it doesn't uh, misidentify sponsors or things like that, 
if you're stoked on something and you like wearing something or you like doing something or you think that's a dope picture then post it and as soon as i got over caring about what everyone would think uh i just went all in as you can see i post a lot uh, regularly and the great thing about legion is we have amazing sponsors that i want to post about because they're they're so cool you know rafa specialized roca they're all the like the coolest things in cycling so why would you not want to post about it because if you don't believe in something it's hard to post about it and with the past teams i'm on uh i didn't believe in majority of the things i was posting about and i and that's just not a good look um obviously with legion not many people can say that they're super proud of of the sponsors uh they represent but with legion justin made an effort and corey to gather only the best that that we believe in so social media is easy for us because we want to post about it the other thing that is important to note as professional athletes is that you you need to look at social media as your job as as a business uh, to grow the, your profile to grow the team's profile to grow your sponsor's profile and you need to perhaps think oh you know posting this picture of my girlfriend and I <laughs> having a nice time at uh, at the beach is maybe not the best content that the people who follow me want to see and that was a transition that took me a bit of time to understand and realize and and uh separate kind of my personal life with Instagram and uh make it purely uh my professional life and the good thing about my professional life is I'm passionate about it um so posting like i said before is and is not a problem because I'm stoked to show people that I'm you know riding up a beautiful canyon in Boulder on my on my specialized bike and and so forth. So Legion's one of the few teams I think that embraces social media to an extreme extent but don't shove it down people's faces uh, who might not want to hear it. Um and I I totally get what you're saying that uh, for the older generation it, it's it's difficult to understand how to use and when to use it and all the different gizmos and gadgets that come with Instagram now it's confusing. Uh, it really is it's it's it took me a, a while to learn how to make a reel for example um but that's again it it come it, when when a post does well and that you've actually put a lot of effort in it it's it's very satisfying um so that's part of my daily job i wake up and think about you know what can i post today uh, what's what you know i have multiple posts ready to go and I'm not ashamed about it because uh that's what makes legion great i think So Freddy it looks like you found your place of happiness with Legion. Um still a lot of uh, projects you have um ahead of you. If you could write your own future, where would you see yourself in two years, in five years, in ten years time from now? Oof, it's uh, tough. Um I would just like to to make a uh, just to be happy really honestly is it's got to be the number one priority and I'm really happy at the moment and and I'm very grateful for what I'm doing and uh I I love to train hard I love to take things seriously I love to set goals for myself and I've had some I've had some good res uh success in, in the US and it's been good to me so I would like to solidify myself as one of the best 
all-round racers in the world. And it, when that comes to esports, uh, I like to think of myself as the best. And I would like to slowly but surely be known as a guy that doesn't matter the race that you throw him into, he's going to be up there. Um, and just making myself a really well-rounded athlete that uh, loves bike racing. Well, we can hear in your voice and and your past results and your future aspiration that that's not going to be a problem. So, Freddie, thank you so much for joining us today. It was a blast. Uh, wish you all the best with all your different sports. It's uh, going to take some some time to 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 follow all these different things that you do, but due to your social media, there we go. There you go. So, um, there you go. Hit that follow button. Thank you very much for, for coming on today. <laughs> Thanks, Bobby, Jens. Uh, yeah, I've looked up to you guys uh, throughout my time in cycling, and I'm, I'm just an absolute pleasure and honor to be speaking with you today and, and in touch uh, on a regular basis with Bobby. So, yeah, thank you very much. It was a pleasure having you, my friend. And best of luck for your future, and we will follow your progress on your social media. There you go. Cheers. Well, that's all our time for this week. Huge thanks to Freddy for being our guest tonight. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Please give us a five-star review. And don't forget to share us with your friends. The show was a Value News production in association with Shocked GRF. The producer was Mark Payne. And this episode was edited by Tim Mosser. As always, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Bobby and Jens and share your cycling stories with us. Mm -hmm.